Hello, and welcome to the Sound Takes Podcast, where we discuss various artists and take a deep dive through the discography while sharing our personal top five songs. I'm your host, Lawrence Fryer, and uh, with me is my co-host, Eli. That's right. It is Eli, a.k.a. DJ Divisiveness. Uh, I think once we get into the top five a little bit later on, it's going to get a little, little heated. Oh man, I'm intrigued <laughs> by that uh, starting point. <laughs> well, you know, okay, we'll see where this is going to go. Uh, yeah, so for this episode, we're of course talking about the the uh, the band from both Canada and the U.S., I would say. Those are the two uh, jumping off points. Uh, we're talking about Arcade Fire. Yeah, so do you have any like pre-thoughts that you want to share now or... Is that going to, you know, kind of come to fruition later? You'd rather let it gestate for a bit? Um, not really. I think when I remember when we were first brainstorming the podcast in general and deciding, well, who are going to be the first 10 potential topics? Uh, Arcade Fire was a name thrown out that I don't think was met with either resistance. That was a pretty quick, okay, and move on. Um, where I think that, I guess, sort of signifies our view for the band that yeah that was an easy that's a good one uh we'll go through it and uh yeah yeah i mean we'll get into a little bit more as we go through i mean yeah i think the reason that there was like little resistance on both ends is because they're kind of the definitive like indie rock band of like the mid two thousand mid to late 2000s even as far as early 2010s i mean uh that that was they're kind of one of the last indie bands they really push into the mainstream i mean this is during that era where it was kind of like you know the shins you had modest mouse uh tv on the radio wolf parade uh you, you know i wouldn't put wolf parade in the same uh but yeah i, I mean they had like uh, i'll believe anything anything that was a big song I, i'd say i wouldn't put them in that echelon i'd say but you know they had they had songs up there i mean grizzly bear broken social scene I, I mean, this was like when Garden State was a huge thing. I, I, I you know, so this was kind of like the the indie mm-hmm. indie band heyday. You know, mm-hmm. Urban Outfitters was out there <laughs> pushing all, <laughs> pushing <laughs> pushing it out into the masses. But yeah, so I I just think you know, RK Fire is kind of the definitive band of that period. I would say, and you know, it just makes sense for us to cover them in, in this uh, podcast like this. Mm-hmm. All right, so without further ado, RK Fire was founded in 2001 by Wynn Butler and Josh Dew. Uh, they initially met at a Philip Exeter Academy uh, in high school, and they uh, went on to go to the same uh, area for university uh, in Montreal. Uh, while they were there, they, you know, they both had similar music tastes, so they thought, why not start a band? And they started recording at McGill, where they met Regine, who was a music student also uh, in the area at the time. And from then, they just clicked and found other members uh, around the, you know, just around, dude, there's many musicians in Montreal at the time, of course. There's always going to be musicians in a major city. 
and they decided to come together to record the uh, self-titled EP at uh, Butler's Family Farm. So what do you think about the EP? What are your opinions? Definitely uh, a promising introduction to the band. Uh, it A lot of it definitely feels like sort of rougher, less polished versions of a sound that would uh, later come out on Funeral. I feel like Old Flame was the one for me that really sort of immediately struck to the heart of their sound and like still fully holds up. Yeah, my exact thoughts. Uh, it, it definitely was a kind of a raw distillation of, of their, the sound that they would eventually uh, come to. And yeah, you know, I think that's also kind of identified with No Cars Go being on the EP. If you mm-hmm. compare that to the eventual version that's on Neon Bible, you could just tell it's just it turned up to like 10 or 11. So it was definitely a bit the beginning stages and a very promising start, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, so during that phase was where uh, when they were recording that EP was where they met Richard Reed Perry. Uh, and he was helping record that EP actually. And then through collaborations and just like clicking with the band, he decided to, they, well, they decided to let him in and he decided to join. Uh, they, there was a little bit of a spat actually during the record uh, EP release party where uh, when and Richard Reed Perry got into a fight on stage and he quit, but uh, he quickly came back. I think, I think it was like a few months later. Uh, John Dew would eventually go on to leave the band to resume studies, uh, which would lead to uh, when when bringing on his uh, brother Will Butler and Tim Kingsbury. And the last addition was Howard Billerman, who joined the band on drums in summer of 2003. The praise that they re- uh, received from early live shows eventually led to them getting enough hype to where they were able to get signed by Merge Records which is one of the iconic indie labels, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, so that leads us to Funeral. Uh, what are your thoughts on Funeral? What a debut album for a band like this. From the start, they were pretty much critical darlings, which is incredible acclaim. I mean, when David Bowie is giving out your debut album as Christmas presents to all his friends, you know you've made it, um, especially when the following year he joins you on stage to perform live in a televised uh, concert performance. I feel like this is also one of the last times that Pitchfork really like struck a match for a band and helped them explode. Um, I, I feel like this was definitely a band that people didn't know much about, and then they got the Best New Music high score from them and overnight they went to becoming sensations uh really introduced to a lot of the i guess more so quote-unquote mainstream among indie music listeners uh yeah this this is pretty much a classic album i have a lot of fond memories from this one and i remember the first time hearing it it really blew me away i don't quite remember if i'd heard wake up before it was used in where the wild things are i think i was kind of becoming aware of this album or at least that song around the same time period yeah as you were saying this is definitely when pitchfork started started to be able to just break bands i mean they gave this record a 9.7 rating and that just struck a match like as you said it just became wildfire and it only grew from there 
And as you were saying, you know, David Bowie giving the album out as a Christmas present, that's ridiculous. I mean, Bono was using Wake Up as the walk up, a band's walk-up song for the Vertigo tour. I mean, you can't get bigger than that. In my personal experience, uh, you know, 2004, I think I, I, it was, I was still like kind of like nascent in the nascent stage of my music taste. I wasn't really like looking out for like an arcade fire. Uh, I think probably where the wild things are when that came out with wake up that was probably when wake up was like used as the big song for that that was probably when i first became uh like uh i started to know about the band's existence and started to follow them more uh but yeah this is this is the iconic record i mean i think the the thing that i that comes to mind is just like the level of catharsis and uh kind of emotional power with the record you know it's kind of you know sad indie boy arena rock <laughs> i think that's uh that's uh, what, what what would you say about and that? i think it goes a little beyond that i mean i've always sort of i've always sort of associated this record with uh youth and being a kid and sort of trying to recapture those feelings and wonder that you have when you're young but there's also some pretty adult stuff such as um haiti uh which is a pretty personal song for regime Oh yeah, I wasn't trying to be like be, like yeah, that was just my like reductive version of what it is. But yeah, it's definitely the, as a record more grand than just sad indie boy arena rock. But I I, I mean, uh, but that's kind of like what I like about their sound. What they kind of establish here is that they they're an indie band, but they were going for like the big big swinging like just punch you in in the face like music like emotionally and yeah, sonically. Yeah, it's, it's grandiose. Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, I feel like that's what they were going for, and uh, they definitely achieved it, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, also, this was kind of a definitive record, like, I think in the uh, post-9-11 sense as well, because I, I think it kind of captures captured that feeling of, peop- of, again, like, as I said, catharsis and kind of, you know, wanting to, like, seek a, a more youthful, a more promise a more a more um a more uh pr- yeah promising energy yeah so i think it just achieved that on on every hit that on all cylinders in my opinion um because i wasn't listening to the band at the time i can't say whether or not i like fully agree with that because i wasn't then and there and listening but i feel like at that point i, I think some other stuff had started to sort of fill that void a little bit yeah uh, i th- i I mean, like, if you want to go into that that kind of thing, I mean, also obviously, like, Wils- uh, Wilco's, like, Jesus, etc. That was that was probably like Yankee a, Hotel Foxtrot. Uh, I mean, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. I just named a single off the album. My bad. <laughs> uh, I I feel like an uh, Interpol's debut album was another one that yeah. was sort of viewed, especially for demands coming out of New York City at that time. Uh, right. You, know, you had to, you had NYC as. Uh, big response to that but we're, we're getting a little out of the weeds yeah we're getting a little let's refocus another, <laughs> another thing to notice here is that this probably is one of the definitive uh indie slash alternative uh rock music albums of that first decade of the millennium yeah for sure i i feel like if you were to argue otherwise i feel like you'd be very off um you know a lot of things are opinionated our top five are pretty opinionated but i feel like that it, it to overlook that and to dispute that is I feel like that's a take that. Ridiculous. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitive. There's no question. Yeah, even it. if you don't like the album, you can't. I feel like really deny how big it was. Right. I mean, like when I was doing research for this, I mean, people are like 
going as far as like either it killed indie rock or it made indie rock what it is like it's like it's a defining record you can't even love it or hate it i think most people love it though uh yeah yeah so um yeah after that uh they they tore where were you gonna say oh you talking about the tour yeah uh yeah i was just gonna say they toured on that album yeah. do you have any comments on the tour nope nope yeah so they toured on that album for a bit uh you know for a few years and then they eventually would come back with neon bible in 2007 uh for this record the band produced it themselves they wanted to kind of root it in Americana themes when Butler viewed it as uh, an album kind of of him because like, they because he was uh, now living in Canada full time. And he was like him kind of looking. Hey, can we pause? Yeah. So I, I was going to do the promo intro. Oh, for the. Oh, yeah, I forgot. OK. And reflector. So we can go back to um, I think you saying. Did you have anything to say about the tour? I feel like that's a good. OK, let me point. let me start yeah. there. OK. All right. You, did you have anything to say about the tour? No, no. All right. Well, let's get again in the Neon Bible, the record that came out yeah. in two thousand seven, and Eli. So, do you want to talk about the, the promotion? Yeah, this is the album where they first. Now that they are uh, very much an established act, they've got some record uh, label money under uh, in, in their coifers. They started experimenting with uh, some more non-traditional promotion for the album. This is sort of the start for the band of doing this, where they were continuing that through their subsequent records. Uh, first sort of gimmick here was that if you wanted to hear the first single from the album, you could call 866-NEON-BIBLE, extension 7777, and you'd be able to hear Black Mirror. You know, I, I, I think this kind of thing had been done before, but this is where they really first started dipping into that type of... Uh, non-traditional marketing they also added the lyrics to the website in advance of its release along with some text and audio of a child reading a french fable which one of the songs in the album is loosely based around and they also uh, made a fake website beyondlinebee.com for the eventual neon bible music video being that beyondline b is a anagram of neon bible uh a lot of this stuff nothing really new uh by that point bands had been utilizing the internet to market their albums radio had the topic of our first one i think was definitely one of the bigger bands to do that as a forefront but you also had things like the blair witch project uh showing the power of using internet marketing uh especially fictional and cryptic stuff to really drive sales and interest and so by this point in 2007 this had been a pretty established uh marketing tactic yeah, as we we will get into with further records, we're definitely a band that's very into having fun with the promotional aspect of of uh, making the album, and mm -hmm. yeah, so you know this is kind of the beginnings of that, and <laughs> it will only grow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> another another thing about marketing here. So this was the first time the band played on SNL, and this is where I first became aware of them. Uh, by that point, I was following SNL on the weekly basis. And Arcade Fire, when they uh, per, when they were the musical guest with host Rain Wilson back when he the office was still going on, I remember that being the first time that they had announced a musical guest, and I just had no idea who they were, <laughs> absolutely zero. Um, but th this was where I definitely remember being first introduced to the band. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I this is kind of like around the period as well where I first became uh, aware of their existence. Uh, I think 
also where the wild things are was kind of around this time maybe a little bit later than this but around this time as well so that kind of was like a big introduction for me and then i remember i was actually in the barber shop as a as a kid you know waiting to get my hair cut and they had like a spin magazine on the on one of the shelves and i picked it up and you know i read the neon bible review that they had in there and it was just like just a glowing like best record you got it you got to check this one out and i went home and then like downloaded a few of the singles like i got no cars go and uh i think keep the car running and yeah i mean yeah so the really really great introduction for me into the band uh but yeah uh as a record they produce it themselves and they wanted to kind of root it in americana themes uh when butler was kind of inspired by bob dylan obviously bruce springsteen people within that genre of course and this was the outcome the the album neon bible what are your thoughts so yeah, this one acclaimed almost as much as uh, Funeral was. Really continued their one-two punch of critical darling uh, nature. But for me, th- this album really didn't connect with me when I first heard it. I, for some reason, I just couldn't have that match be struck in my interest. Uh, you know, it sounded fine. It sounded like an Arcade Fire record, but it didn't wow me in the same way funeral did. So I always went back and just sort of would typically listen to funeral instead. Re-listening to this for the podcast, I was very excited to see what I would feel about the album now. And really nothing changed. I, I listened to the album. Uh, it's kind of there. It just doesn't grab me in the same way that funeral did. I don't hate the album. It's just kind of, unfortunately a little forgettable to me. Hmm, okay. Yeah. So for me, um, yeah, I think at the time I I listened to this record, but then I went back and listened to Funeral and I was like, oh, Funeral's amazing. <laughs> and then I was like, OK, let me go back and listen to this one. And I was like, I like some of the songs on here, but I'm going to listen to Funeral again <laughs> rather than check out this record more. Uh, and, you know, and as it, time has gone on, I've come to appreciate the record a lot more. Like uh, I'd say there are at least four or five songs that I could just throw in a rotation at any time. And I, that I really enjoy, uh, upon re-listening to it specifically for this, where this was, uh, that was probably the first time in a while where I listened to it from, from front to back. Uh, you know, I think I like most of the songs. I, I think I say like 75% of the songs I really enjoy. Uh, there are a few that I, I don't particularly like feel like I'm going to revisit, uh, but yeah, on the whole, uh, I think solid record. I, uh, I think as we get into it, uh, there are going to be albums I enjoyed more that we'll mention. And obviously I like funeral more than this one, but you know, it, I think it's an acceptable, uh, uh, addition in the, uh, Arcade Fire discography. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, after that, uh, we come into the suburbs, uh, and uh, that came out in 2010. Uh, wait, uh, pause. Did did you have any um, promotional stuff for this one, or is that going to go to the record after this one? No, no, no. This is um, an odd number one. Oh yeah, so, so I so I after you talk. Okay, about so the, I'm going to uh, bleed into the um. Okay, so I'll just mm-hmm. start with the sub. Or like, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Three, two, one. 
so following Neon Bible in 2007, uh, Arcade Fire would take another three-year break, of course, touring off of that album and to record their next one. And they would come out in 2010 with The Suburbs. Uh, it was inspired by uh, when when in uh, Will Butler's growing up in the woodlands suburbs of uh, Houston, when Butler described it as neither a love letter, neither a love letter nor an indictment of the suburbs. It's a letter from the suburbs. Uh, when described the sound as a cross between Depeche Mode and Neil Young, I, that kind of makes sense, I guess. <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> but uh yeah and then spike jones made uh scenes from the suburbs a, a short film to accompany the album uh yeah so how do you feel yeah, about so the spe- suburbs speaking to well speaking to that promotional stuff um that short film was about 30 minutes and scenes from the suburbs debuted at the berlin film festival they later used scenes from scenes from the suburbs to make up the music video for the suburbs <laughs> uh the title track Another promotional thing they did here was they uh, they actually did an interactive video for We Used to Wait, which was designed to be used with uh, Google Chrome and utilized Google Maps and Street View uh, sites. And the idea here is that you put in custom information about uh, an address of some sorts, and it'll map the music video to be catered to specifically the address you put in. So it really is a... Uh, music video catered to an area you would ideally know oh nice uh, <laughs> so that was interesting uh, promos <laughs> yeah as far as uh my feelings about the album i really loved the album when it first came out i remember just i think i definitely placed it in my top 10 for that year um it really grabbed me in a way that uh you know bible did not i this is the first and only time i saw arcade fire i saw them on tour for this record with spoon as the opener um yeah uh, really great record lots of great stuff um it even though the track list is longer at 16 it doesn't necessarily feel longer and that's a pretty it's a pretty good place to be in for an album yeah i i remember um you know this ended up winning the grammy for album of the year right oh, I, uh, and that was yeah. pretty big and uh i remember it was i felt weird at the time i felt a little conflicted because Arcade Fire was this indie band to me, so I felt like, yeah, acknowledgement by the mainstream, but also felt kind of weird to be acknowledged in such a way by the mainstream. Uh, it was fun to watch Twitter afterwards and see uh, <laughs> what the fuck is an Arcade Fire yeah, trending. The who is Arcade Fire meme, that there was a Tumblr, yeah, yeah it, was, it was everything. <laughs> it, that was a good one-two punch with the following year with uh, Bon Iver getting noms for uh, Song and Record of the Year and people tweeting out, what the fuck is a Bon Iver? <laughs> um fun time to sort of follow this stuff but yeah really really great record what do you think about it yeah before i get into my thoughts i'll just briefly say for that best album they were nominated against eminem Katy perry lady gaga and lady antebellum <laughs> what, what an eclectic bunch right there <laughs> which lady gaga album was that was that the fame monster i think that was the fame Mo- or was that uh that born was this born way? this way that was born this yeah, way th- th- yeah okay yeah i mean I, and Katy Perry was Teenage Dream. I, I like Teenage Dream, but um, yeah, I would. Okay, songs. I would have. I would. I think that was the right choice. So what they. Yeah. What they, uh, uh, g- give me there. <laughs> but yeah. So, in terms of yeah, in terms of where I was at the time, yeah, this was the first like RK Fire record that I like it was 
like listening to all the hype going into it and i was myself very hyped for this record to come out i feel like all the indie blogs were really like blowing it up everyone was talking about it you know yeah spike jones everyone knew spike jones was doing the the video the short film and that he was going to release like the the suburbs video as well and yeah there was just a ton of hype and i think it really uh stood up to the hype I, this is between this and funeral it is uh, i think i think i i'll get into like the album rings later but uh yeah it really stacks up to to their best and i think uh track by track it's re- it really sticks on to the theme of the suburbs and i think it just really represents about kind of you know the the good parts of the suburbs and also kind of the decay and the and the sprawl obviously the sprawl too with the mall dead shopping malls and all that i think it uh yeah so i think it really sticks to the theme uh wonderfully uh but yeah one of one of their one of their best records in my opinion uh i do not disagree <laughs> obviously yeah so then uh after that uh things got a little more cryptic yeah <laughs> the Reflector was where they started really going back to the sort of non-traditional marketing. So the album title had already been announced. Uh, it had been also announced that they were going to be, I believe, producing uh, the record with James Murphy of LCD Sound System. Uh, I was really excited, looking forward to that, but they had some guerrilla marketing to promote the album. Some street art featuring a logo with the album title in it, uh, painted and stenciled in worldwide, all of a sudden just appearing on Instagram. People were excited. Oh, new Arcade Fire, what does it mean? Then a large mural in Manhattan was created with the words Arcade Fire and 9 p.m. 9-9 is in September 9th. At this time and date, the band released the title track to Reflector as well as a music video for it. This marketing campaign, I remember feeling a little mixed about it at the time it felt Daft Punk and Kanye had Kanye West had already done similar marketing campaigns early in the year and I gotta say they those two felt way more successful than this one this felt like a kind of lesser attempt at it I, I don't think they were trying to do the same things as those two artists were but it really did feel like the lesser of all three yeah yeah um for me I uh yeah the the marketing for this record <laughs> I think they they jumped the shark a little bit for sure with uh, how they how far they went with it uh <laughs> in terms of <laughs> in terms of the record itself though uh yeah I was inspired by Wynn and Regine finally taking a trip to her family's home country of Haiti uh they decided to kind of in, in, incorporate Rara and Jamaican influence into the music it was recorded in Louisiana and Jamaica as well uh, James Murphy for this record was brought in as a producer. Uh, when Butler quoted as saying, "Yeah, a massive amount of respect for him," and the the sound of that record kind of fit what James Murphy already does with LCD Sound System, of course. And uh, after performing on SNL, they had a thirty minute special that aired afterwards, featuring Ben Stiller, Bono, Rain Wilson, James Franco. Michael Sarah and Zach Galifianakis. So, so yeah, they were they were pulling out all the stops for this one. Uh, as a record, what do you think? I was so excited when it was announced that Murphy was going to be producing it. I I felt like a great 
Meaning of the Minds. Okay. And then I heard Reflector and I was like, oh, I like the song. Mm. And then I heard the rest of the album and I was just so underwhelmed. Oh, okay. Uh, I, 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 I don't really care for this album. It's pretty forgettable to me. I think the issue is that from song to song, it just there's no real distinction to me. Unfortunately, I tried um, after I finished finished my re-listen to the entire discography to just go back and listen to songs at random from the album, and they did sound better out of context, but within the context of the record, it just all sort of blends together, and it's there's nothing that makes it stand out to me. Unfortunately, yeah, I think in terms of this album, uh, going in. I, this was another arcade fire record where I was like following all the hype. I watched them perform on SNL. I saw the 30 minute special. I was, I like was checking all the promotional materials. I checked reflector came out. I was, I was super pumped by that, but I do agree. The record as a whole, isn't their best work. I, I'd say, uh, I mean, in terms of, in terms of, I think pitchfork actually gave this album a, like a really high score and they, had it on their uh, best of the decade so far list. Uh, I think. Yeah, I, I, had, I had no idea why this continued sort of the critical success of the band. It yeah. was definitely lesser than the prior three albums, but right. I, I just did not get the praise for this one. Right, and and as you were talking about, like where you like go and pick uh, pick uh, specific songs, like there are probably like four or five songs on this that I would like consistently re- revisit. Like I like We Exist. I like Here Comes the Nighttime. I like Reflector. I like Afterlife. I mean, like, uh, so there are songs on here that I enjoy, but yeah, on the whole, I just don't think it was uh, cohesive enough to really stand up to the rest of the uh, discography that had come out prior. Uh, but yeah, so any uh, want to talk at all about her? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, for her, I believe. Spike Jones used uh he was gonna use supersymmetry. Did he end up using supersymmetry in that? I think it's a certain mix of it that's ultimately used in the instrumental soundtrack. Yeah. And I think he used some of porno, right? In the, in, yeah. in her. Yeah. But um so how involved were they in her? I I I think you probably know more off the top of your head. Um the the soundtrack is credited to Arcade Fowler, but it was really mostly Wynn Butler and Owen Pallet who ended up comprising the soundtrack as well what i found out oh interesting yeah because i do remember at the time like rk fire was involved in that somewhat but um but yeah that okay that makes sense though yeah that's that's a, I, I mean he'd, he'd worked with them already previously in this right up their alley so uh collaboration makes sense there uh yeah so then after that they took another little little brief hiatus and came out with everything now in uh 2017 uh they described the album as more of a synth synth rock dance rock uh uh kind of sound than their previous records and uh yeah in terms of well we'll we'll probably get into it as we're talking about the album what are your thoughts on the album so after i i was let down by reflector the promotion for the album started coming out and i i kind of checked out i think i listened to a song or two i i saw them on snl maybe mm-hmm. but i with the, the market to get into the promotion for this album as and why i was sort of turned off initially and didn't listen to it until this um until this podcast yeah so th- it all started for this album with a fake twitter account meant to look like a russian spam bop <laughs> that started giving clues to the album 
this was in 2017, by the way. Uh, then a live stream from Death Valley, anagrams for song titles via Twitter, and then really kicking it off with a fake Facebook post from an Everything Now Corporation worker uh for the creature comfort music video where he was leaking it because he was angry with the band because they weren't doing their part to promote the record and that just sort of started this whole weird cycle of the band doing this sort of tongue-in-cheek satirical but yet kind of really playing into it themselves of what it is to promote an album and so it was all about fake articles and fake reviews about how the band was with this company and they didn't want to promote the album or they were doing these things to promote the album, but they didn't want to do them. And it was all just very silly to me. I really did not like it. And as such, I really tuned out of it. Uh, one thing I didn't see, but I, that I did like upon finding out was that they published a review for a fake arcade fire rock band game. Uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty nice, but yeah, the, the whole promotional concept for me on this one really turned me off but I, I i definitely regretted that coming around to listen to it for the podcast because i i, I really like the album um this is the album that i probably thought reflector was going to be interesting yeah so i remember yeah during the whole promotional period for the uh, for the album i i really liked everything now as a single so i was kind of you know, I I was kind of pumped for the record to come out, even though I, you know, had mixed feelings on Reflector. And upon listening to it, I think the the difference in the sound kind of threw me off initially because I, you know, it felt like them kind of trying to go more mainstream, a little bit like more manufactured uh, to me in comparison to their past records. But upon listening to it, re-listening to it for this podcast, I, a lot of the songs actually started to grow on me a lot. Like I really enjoyed uh, still everything. Now I really enjoyed creature comfort, uh, electric blue. And yeah, I could see myself honestly revisiting this album in the future. So yeah, it definitely grew on me upon a re-listen. Yeah. Another interesting thing to point out for this band in the recording process is that they brought in some, outside producers again their longtime co-producer had been uh marcus Draves, but here they brought in um thomas bungalter one half of daft punk to do co-production on several of the songs on the album and then didn't even know that we would have this connection from last episode but uh jeff barrow of portishead yeah <laughs> did additional production as well <laughs> i mean yeah what <laughs> i mean anytime you can bring him in i mean <laughs> like, like su supreme yeah that's awesome you know aside from maybe the opening uh first few seconds of creature comfort which is the song he helped co-produce i would not have known that uh this man from Portishead helped produce that song yeah fascinating stuff but yeah so with that we've completed the uh Ar arcade fire discography uh oh, zips through it yeah zip through it uh uh do you want to share what your you know your kind of ranking would be now or do you want to do that after we do the songs at the end at the end okay we'll get into that yeah all right well uh that brings us to our top five songs uh and i think eli is going to start the picks off this time yes i am so i do have an announcement to make uh-oh this is the first time on the podcast that my top five does not include a B-side or rarity. <laughs> Sad day, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but uh, I, I managed to stick just to the album uh, actual contents this time. Although I will give a shout out to um, I Give You Power and Lennon, which were Lennon was a B-side from, well, not a B-side, it was a contribution to a compilation album for Dark Was the Night, a charity release. Um, yeah. Pretty good there. And then I Give You Power was just a non-album single released in the same year as Everything Now in 2017 that featured Mavis Staples. That's pretty good as well. Yeah, getting back on the normie track with me, huh? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a weird place to be in. Uh, it's strange. I don't really know what's going on. There's a lot of unfamiliar, uh, really a lot of lot of bright lights here. Yeah, a lot of bright lights. Uh, I'm used to sort of the dark corners. All right. <laughs> so, All right, yeah. So my my number five pick is going to be Sprawl Two: Mountains Beyond Mountains. That's my number four, actually. Ooh, I thought that I—I I actually thought it might be your number four. Yeah. Weirdly enough. <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is a really great song. This is the one that really grabbed me uh, when I heard it, which is funny because it's the at the very end of the album. But this is one where Regine has the uh, the lead vocals, and they really have a great soundscape surrounding her. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. uh, I agree. Sp- uh, spectacular record, uh, which we will check out right now. I think this is the song from the service that really hinted at where the band was going to be going in the next two records. Um, I feel like this is not quite what they did for Reflector, but this is a similar sound that they would sort of return to for everything now, but in a deeper, uh, even more electronic sense. Just really great instrumentation all around, uh, if you want to be able to speak more to that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, the, 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 yeah, the, the record, this record is more of uh, like kind of like a synth rock art, rock, art rock sound, which I would definitely associate more of the reflector or everything now. And but this is them kind of like perfecting it early, almost pretty much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in terms of the record, I, I think I also really love it lyrically, you know, because she's kind of identifying the the album's theme of just like like dead suburban sprawl you know like and it kind of more even more accurately reflects like today where you know malls are starting to just shut down everything's going to online and people are moving towards uh the more urban areas and yeah so i i think it just really becomes a even like more and more relevant record the the further time goes on yeah, just really great uh, lyrics hitting at that suburb like you're talking about, like living in the sprawl, dead shopping malls rise like mountains beyond mountains, yeah. and there's no end in sight. Right. I need the darkness. Someone please cut the lights. Right. Yeah, really yeah. great uh, really great imagery in this song. Yeah, exactly. All right. 
So now that I've stolen your number four, what about your number five? I have a feeling this might be my number four. I don't think so. I think I'm I think I'm going off the map a little bit for this one, but Uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah, so for my number 5, we're actually going to go to Neon Bible. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to say uh Antichrist Television Blues. Okay, um Yeah, I actually uh I like this one. All right. <laughs> I don't think it I don't think it made my long list, but I I did um like the song. Nice. We we hit the one small spot in here at neon bible <laughs> look i you know I'll, I'll, I'll just come out and say it. none of the songs from neon bible made my uh short list but some of them did make my long list i had um keep the car running mm-hmm. wait was that neon bible yeah okay i'd keep the car running i had windowsill and i had my body as a cage but I, I this was probably the other song that would have made it onto the long list all right well let's check it out Yeah, so I picked this song because I musically I like how it's kind of Arcade Fire meets Bruce Springsteen. The way Wynn Butler kind of has that like enthusiastic like tone in his voice, and he's just uh, he, I feel like he's just like, very powerful with it, and he's just, just like humming along with the kind of like the twelve bar blues style chord progression uh, behind him. So I really like that mix; it, it blends together well, and then lyrically. I, I think it's the, one of the more unsettling Arcade Fire songs. This It was actually supposed to be called Joe Simpson, in parent, and then parentheses, anti-television blues, but due to legal reasons, they obviously have to take that off. And if you read the lyrics, it kind of makes sense because it's like uh, talking about a guy, like uh, a father using his daughters to to uh, become famous and, you know, and and you know she can sing like a bird in a cage blah 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 but yeah i yeah this is really really strong song in my opinion i think it all comes together really well yeah really great storytelling in this song all throughout um a lot throughout i i feel like it really drives that narrative home especially knowing that uh this was written about joe simpson yeah and then uh, I, I really, I, I really do like that Bruce Springsteen uh, comparison you brought up because I, I definitely do hear it now that you mentioned it. Yeah, and I also like uh, towards the end of the record, Regine comes in uh, as like in the in the background as well. I think her additions are like perfectly a place in the song, and it really and and it kind of ends it really abruptly the song, and I I think that really fits them thematically with the album and the song in particular. So. Just all around strong, uh, strong record. Uh, yeah, so that leads you to uh, leads us to your number four. Yeah, I feel like I might be hitting another one of your picks with this one. Okay. 
Um, my number four is from Funeral. Mm-hmm. And it has a number in it. Oh. And that number is going to be one. Is my number four pick is Neighborhood Number One Tunnels. Uh man, that's not on my list actually. It should be. Ooh. It should be. <laughs> like I before before we were t- like recorded this, I was telling him it was like making the cuts on this was this like I I can't think of anything harder honestly so that we've done so far. But yeah, uh, should be on the list honestly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go and see what. Uh you're missing out on yeah this is i i can i feel like it's a crime but uh yeah we'll check it out I, I had to go ahead and listen to the full song for this one. Was, uh, this is what an incredible opener. This kicks off Funeral, and this really gets at that grandiose sound that they had from the get-go on that album. That And that that album really landed so well with people, myself included. I really love the warble in Win's vo- uh, in Will's voice during the chorus. Yeah, I, I feel like the imagery, too, um, when he talks about being in the snow and digging the tunnels that mm-hmm. the song is named after. I definitely feel like that was what Spike Jones uses inspiration during some of the opening early portions of where the wild things are. Uh, there's a really great imagery here. Um, and that course, uh, you know, you take all the lead in my head into gold or you turn all the lead into my head into gold. Like yeah. I, I love the song. Yeah, the, just like you said, it's kind of like the definitive, well, one of the definitive Arcade Fire records in terms of like their bombastic sound. And especially with this record, because it's more, kind of about the childlike fantasy. And uh, yeah, the way that like the kind of like like the, the, the nature of like the sonically, like it just sounds like a fantasy. Like it just sounds like otherworldly, but in the best way possible. Uh, and uh, yeah definitely i i feel like an a-hole for not having this in my top five i figured you would though so i didn't feel too bad about it ouch what, what does that mean because it's such a great song like like i figured so obvious <laughs> not obvious but i'm no 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 it wasn't like that it wasn't like that <laughs> like you're you're the you're right. you're edgy man you're the edgy guy like i'm oh, sorry okay yeah you're you're still you still got the edge man <laughs> uh, might be losing my edge you might be but it, no hey but this song is so great like <laughs> it's so great it's so great <laughs> hey don't forget who had buddy holly as your number one don't uh, oh yeah yeah okay <laughs> that's true okay yeah <laughs> all right that was pretty normal so, <laughs> yeah 
We uh, we hit upon your number four already. Yeah. Uh, right. I hit upon your number four already with Sprawl Sea Mountains Beyond Mountains, which means it's my turn to go again. Hey, uh, fuck you. <laughs> so uh, my number three is gonna be. At one point, this was almost my number one, actually. Uh, creature comfort. Oh, t- taking one from everything now. Okay. Sounds like this wasn't on your list. Not on my list. It was on the short list, but it was on my mm-hmm. list. So, like, it was probably, like, I'd say it was, like, maybe number 11 or 12, but number it's 11 or 12 <laughs> on an Arcade Fire song list is pretty high. <laughs> Listen, uh, number 11 for me was good goddamn, so we're, I didn't oh. even have a number 12. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get into that later. <laughs> I, I, for you know, as I like mountains beyond mountains, but for me, once number four on the list hits, it it becomes very high up in quality. Okay. Uh, you know, I think mountains beyond mountains is a great song, but there's still I feel like a huge jump between five and four, and then there's a really small distance in quality for me for my picks four through one. Man. Okay. Oh man. I, I like, mean... when, like when I'm saying. Like when I'm saying that this was almost my number one, this was almost my number one. Shit. Well, and if um, you think about what other songs would be in front of that, this is almost in front of them. Okay. Well, let's listen to this song and then we'll comment yeah. more on this. <laughs> All right. So for me, this is, uh, I think, actually, personally, my th- their lyrically strongest song. Hmm. I I really love what they're going for here, what they're ta- uh, what they're talking about, the way they talk about it. I feel that the God make me famous. If you can't just make it painless, I think that's uh, to me that's like an all timer uh, lyric. Hmm. Uh, what it captures so perfectly, I really love how they have Regine do it as uh, an echo. Um, or Regine starts it and then uh, and then Will finishes it. Um, I think Regine echoing throughout it's really great. Uh, it also introduces sort of the anecdote of a, a fan or friend telling them about their uh, potential suicide attempt mm. that uh, it gets mentioned several times throughout the other album. And I think it kind of gives some context to the album and to where it maybe stemmed from. I don't. I couldn't find anything about the band commenting upon it that much or. Truth be told, I don't know if I looked hard enough, but <laughs> I feel like this really gives some insight into where the album stems from and sort of creates a theme and really helps shape it all. Yeah, I, I really like this song. Uh, this was definitely upon the re-listen the, uh, song that, that really stuck out because, as I said previously, like in getting to the album, I I just like wasn't initially turned on by the contents, but I've grown to to really take a liking to it. And yeah, I do agree that this is strong, uh, strong, strong in terms of the lyrics. And then musically, this is what I expected on Reflector when they said James Murphy was going to be producing the album. 
Because this sounds like this sounds like LCD sound system and Arcade Fire like married together, and I I really yeah I really strong like sonically and lyrically in my opinion. Yeah, uh, again, this was I, I I said it several times already, but this was almost my number one song. I I really love this one that much. Oh man, I I I, I respect that. I think I I think it's uh it's worthy. It's worthy for sure. Uh yeah, so it's my number three, right? Yep. So for my number three, we're going back to funeral, and I picked rebellion lies. Every time I close my eyes. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, uh, I uh, th- this was on my sh- long list. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, this is on my long list. All right. Well, um, let's check it out. Yeah, so Rebellion is my number three, Rebellion Lies. I, I picked this one because, and uh, I mean, lyrically it's pretty simple, but I think it fits uh, the theme of the song. It's going for an anthemic, you know, kind of rejection of the you know, society. You know, rebel- the title of the song is Rebellion, you know, so it really fits the like kind of anthemic theme there. And musically, I, just, I really love the melody of the song, especially if you see them play it live, like that last minute where they where everything swells and they, they uh, like they, they get really into it, like every, they're hitting the drums hard, everyone's everyone's going ham. And yeah, I just really love this the sound of this song and I uh, keep revisiting it. Um, how about you? Will Will is essentially the main vocalist of the band, and he has some really great vocals. But I really feel like Regine is sort of the secret we- weapon. Uh, every, I love her vocals. Anytime she does any little thing, even just doing the lies, lies yeah. in the song, exactly. That's uh, a great. I, I feel like she's really the the hidden like the hidden polish for the, a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, this made my long list. It just didn't quite cut it for me to make the short list overall. But I I, I still think this is a pretty good song. Yeah. I understand. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. For this, this one, like, I like initially wasn't going to be on on my five, but it, it jumped because I just kept listening to it, and I was just like, you know, I gotta, I gotta represent because this is also in terms of RK Fire songs. This is probably the second RK Fire song I ever heard, and yeah, it just drew me in and uh, from 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 jump, and 
gotta pay respects to that yeah yeah respects are necessary respects <laughs> uh yeah so that's so, your number two right yeah no yeah my time for my number two mm-hmm. my number two is also from funeral getting some funeral back to back and i wouldn't be surprised uh no I'm, I'm pretty sure this is gonna be your number one yeah uh my number two is wake up yeah it's my number one yeah <laughs> yeah so uh you know that like i said when i talked about dj divisiveness like i said earlier i almost said at one point creature comfort above wake up and yeah. that means that i still have one other song above wake up um which is crazy to me because wake up is sort of the quintessential arcade fire song right <laughs> exactly <laughs> but um yeah let's let's uh listen to this song <laughs> yeah all right say magnifique (laughs) i mean it's it's majestic it's hard to believe that you know the band had something as great as this on their debut album it's you know it's rare that they can strike uh, a band can strike such gold oh yeah you know if you if you go to a full arcade fire concert and they they don't play the song you're gonna feel pretty ripped off (laughs) i'm walking out well the show's over so i'm walking out yeah (laughs) yeah it's an iconic song um yeah so for me i yeah i had this as my number one you know because to me this is the uh, definitive arcade fire track it is it EY. is the definitive arcade <laughs> fire track yeah so i had this as and, you know i was i was gonna try to be a little edgelord myself and try to not have it at number one but like you know because I, I heard this song so many times for wake up everyone knows wake up but you know i listened to wake and up you again listen to it again and you're like this is this the is arcade fire song. right it, i don't i don't disagree with you the i mean like minute I, four I, I, no i actually i agree with you it yeah is, you do agree with me ar- <laughs> and then you know minute four they have that like rhythmic change up there just like so iconic i mean if you remember back when we did that reason recording i was kind of messing around a little bit saying like i don't some songs are too iconic to rate but this song was so good that i was just like i can't do that it's just like it's 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 a classic like wake up it's wake up it's y'all classic. wait it is freaking classic. spike jones made a whole like where the wild things are adaptation just based off of wake up pretty much like he was like <laughs> like yeah it's um 
Oh man, this oh, man, this anthemic like get it's, much better than this. It's it, the like the yeah you know, we already mentioned how like anthemic the band is like this is them at their most grandiose. They're just pushing it to the edge. If you've seen it live, as you were mentioning earlier, like just go to YouTube, type Arcade Fire, wake up live. You're gonna be enthralled. Yeah, a beautiful yeah. song. David Bowie wanted to sing this with them live. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, we you got legends like David Bowie calling you up. You got freaking U two using it as their walk up song for, for their tour. Yeah, uh, it's it's an iconic song, and yeah, it, it can't be denied. It can't be denied. Like, like I think if I was like making a list of just like top ten songs of all time, like I, I might have it in there. Like it's just it's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. Um, so with that, we're going to go to my number two, correct? Yep. Correct. Okay. So for my number two, I went back to the suburbs and used the title track, The Suburbs. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. So um, this was on my long list. So this was on your long list. Okay. Well, let's um, take a take a peek, take a gander. I mean, it's a song, so you can't really look at it, but you get the point. Still take a gander. I guess you can. Yeah, so the suburbs is my number two. I picked this one because to me this is like lyrically my favorite Arcade Fire song. I really feel like it perfectly encapsulates that kind, that feeling of growing up in the suburbs. You know, you you kind of get that nostalgia uh, drip in there. You have the the angst ridden like lyrics in there too as well, and 
I mean, like one of my favorite lyrics of all time is, is so you can understand why I want a daughter while I'm still young. I want to show her, hold her hand and show her some beauty before this damage is done. But if it's too much to ask, if it's too much to ask, then send me a son. Uh, yeah, it just like I, I could go on and on about the lyrics here, but just amazing. And then uh, musically, uh, I, I also really feel like it kind of encapsulate, encapsulates like the, the suburban kind of dread. Uh, I feel like, it, like as I, like I said angst earlier, I feel like it kind of captures that melodically as well that, uh, with, in terms of the, the way the, the chords are operating and, uh, and how he's singing over the track. Uh, and yeah, it's a really strong record in my opinion. Uh, well, obviously it's my number two, so one of my favorite Arcade Fire records. What's wrong with you? You think this is better than Mountains Beyond Mountains? Uh, I, I think, well, I think, I don't know. Like it's, it's really tough, honestly, between this, these, the, these top five or even four through one, I think depending on the day I could have, I could switch it up, honestly. Like, uh, yeah. So it's no disrespect to Sprawl too. It's just, um, yeah, this, this song was the one that initially hit me. I, I mean, I liked the, the music video a lot. I remember, I think was this like with the first single for the song too for the album I believe for um, for the suburbs for some reason I feel like it was we used to wait might yeah you're probably right no no it was the suburbs in the month of May okay right yeah right. yeah oh, yeah it was yeah so I mean I think that that just out the gates being like the initial song was what hit me because uh yeah I did, I mean that that was the first record i heard from this album it's one of my favorite albums of all time so i i think i just like drew a close connection to this one and um yeah i think sprawl 2 does like address similar themes but um you know i i i can't mount a harder defense uh harder defense than that i mean i depending on the day sprawl 2 could be my number two <laughs> top five arcade fire songs it's really it's really it's really high rarefied air up here in my opinion okay <laughs> what are your thoughts <laughs> okay this you know the song was on my long list but i don't think it's better than i don't think it's better this is not the best song on the suburbs uh, like for me it, it just encapsulates like growing up in the suburbs though this track like lyrically if you like read the lyrics like it's just like every single every single line is just like yep i i can recall that experience i can recall this experience i can recall that and it really connects well as whereas sprawl 2 i really love sprawl 2 but i feel like the difference is sprawl 2 is more of like kind of just like a genuine a, ge a general more of a general take on the subject whereas the suburbs i feel like is like really like listing like specific instances that are very relatable like uh uh which is i think why i like as i said as, as i'm really being like i'm really like looking at the like fine like grains of sand here but that, like i mean that's why i think i picked this as my number two all right <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh with that what's your number one my <laughs> so number so exasperated one... <laughs> my number one
You need a drum roll? Like what is it? <laughs> Electric blue. You're on crack. No, just, we're listening to it. We're listening to it now. You're on crack. No, we're listening to it now. You give me all the shit about, about the suburbs. And you, you think it's no, better than the sprawl too, you uh, motherfucker? Yeah. All right. We're listening to it now. Okay, let's go. Oh, fuck. thought you'd found the best song on the suburbs but we found out you don't know shit oh, okay okay right. we continue continue your, your defense <laughs> okay so when i if i i first heard the song this week if i had heard the song like out in the wild like you know if, if a friend was playing music and i heard the song and i was like oh who is this and they told me it was arcade fire i, I would not have believe in i was uh, i would have been like okay yeah tell me who it really is this this doesn't fit my regular conception of what an arcade fire song sounds like so i i still agree that wake up is the definitive arcade fire song but just because this doesn't fit the mold of what i would expect them to sound like doesn't mean it's not a great song i've had the song in my head since i heard it it's really catchy and you know t- talking about album rankings i was holding back a little bit as I was going through the re-listen for the podcast, I really had the feeling that maybe I'd outgrown the band. Um, I I like these few songs on Funeral a lot, but beyond that, they just didn't really reach me that much. Even The Suburbs wasn't hitting as much as it used to. I, I was never that into Neon Bible. I didn't like Reflector, but then I got to everything now, and my long list had 21 songs on it. And a third of them were from 
everything now. Uh, this album really, to me, revitalized my faith in the band through the listen along and made me go, oh, maybe there's still a future for them. And I think I'm just sort of growing with them where I am just maybe not as, as much invested in as much anymore in those first few albums. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. To, to tackle that, uh, I'm, I'll, I'll, first, I'll start with the positive here. I, I kind of might be my favorite Alcade Fire album now. Okay, let let we'll get to that. But I, I get I can understand your feelings of like you know feeling like you've like outgrown like the the band in a certain to a certain extent. Like even myself, even though like historically, if I were to like if you asked me like three years ago, I would said favorite album, Funeral, Suburbs is up there as well. Uh, and I really hadn't gone back and like revisited them in a while honestly because like as sonically i feel like sounds in terms of what's popular nowadays and in terms of like what i'm into have changed and i and i haven't revisited as much but when i did go back and re-listen maybe it was just nostalgia but it still like all came pouring back to me and i was like oh i still i still love these albums but uh so from that perspective, I can see what you're saying in terms of, uh, you know, kind of outgrowing it to a certain extent. Uh, but like, wake, wake up, man. Like, wake up. You need to wake up. Wake up should be number one. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, it, it, it should be. I, I respect where you're coming from. And Electric Boo was a great track. Like, it was, it, it was. Just because it, was, it doesn't sound like Arcade Fire doesn't mean it's not the best song by them. Like, Electric Blue was my number. Like, it was probably like my number 10 or nine it, like it's a really good song i i'm not dismissing electric blue as a sound and i do agree that everything now listening to it out of the context of like when it was released and how was i was feeling about them at the time is a is a good record but i mean when i'm thinking rk fire i'm thinking of funeral i'm thinking of the suburbs i'm thinking of that sound and and um well, now i'm thinking about electric blue <laughs> Uh, 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 this, I mean, I just feel like it's just sacrilege, man. I'm sorry. Wait, I, <laughs> so would, you, would you rather have me picked another uh, B-side of Rarity in my top five or picked uh, Electric Blue as my number one? I guess Electric Blue, man. <laughs> I guess. I guess. At least you picked the, the song on the on an album. Uh, well, well, on the main album. So I'll, I'll give I'll give you that. I'll give you that right there. Uh, I mean, hey, you know, I I kind of I like divisive opinions though, so I'm not I'm not too mad at it. I mean, it would have been just kind of boring if we all were like going back and forth naming funeral tracks. So, I mean, you added some liveliness to the discussion. Um, I can't be too mad, but you're wrong. <laughs> or you know, but hey, it's, it's a subjective thing. You know, music. You know, we don't all have the same uh, feelings about certain things. So. I can't be too mad at you on this one, but yeah. Here's my quick rundown. I had one song from the Arcade Fire EP, four songs from Funeral, or sorry, I'm, I'm counting. Yeah, four songs from Funeral, three songs from Neon Bible, one B-side, and then three from The Suburbs, two from, sorry, one from Reflector. The only one I had from Reflector was I get Here Comes the Nighttime Part 1, and then I had mm -hmm. I Give You Power, and then seven songs from everything now. Like, it, it stacked up heavily once I got there. Like, I was looking at my short, my long list originally being, wow, this is pretty slim by the time I'm getting to the last album. But then yeah. whew, I, I had songs one through four on the album, and then nine through 11 on my long list. 
I ended up with uh, songs six through eight for me in terms of my total ranking being from everything now as well. Oh God, no wonder your DJ device missed. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like, I feel like if you went to any corner of the internet with this take, you uh, people would be like, "What?" <laughs> I, like, I've I don't think I've heard like the the everything now like defense campaign yet. Like, you need you should be leading it honestly. Like, I think it's a song. <laughs> Start, starting a new movement you started everything now the defense fund <laughs> donate and look what better way to start talking about our twitter uh wait let me do my my short list real quick like let me just name a few okay tracks. yeah i mean i had uh modern man from the uh, suburbs pretty high up there i had power out from from funeral that was really close it was probably like the, my last cut uh new cars go was really high up there um off of um i mean i liked haiti haiti was really close um off of reflector i really only had here comes the nighttime and afterlife kind of uh you know chomping at the bit there everything now it was uh as you said i mean you already the the two you listed were the two that were really close and everything now was pretty close uh but yeah that's pretty much my short list yeah, so to recap, my top five was uh, number five, Sprawl 2, Mountains Beyond Mountains. Number four, Neighborhood. Number one, Tunnels. Number three, Creature Comfort. Number two, Wake Up. Number one, Electric Blue. Oh my god. Yeah, what my five, five? <laughs> were uh, Antichrist Television Blues. Uh, four was Sprawl 2. Three was Rebellion Lies. Two was The Suburbs. And number one was Wake Up. Yeah, so uh, go ahead and feel free to tweet us um, at Sound Takes Pod. Again, yes. that is at Sound Takes Pod. Let us know what you think of our picks. And also, uh, if you're going to this podcast by some other route, go there right now to follow along for this next segment as we move into the wheel. Yes. Bum, so bum, we bum. have, for, uh, for new listeners, we have multiple wheels that uh, we used to help determine who we're going to cover on the next podcast. The easiest way to think about it is that, well, we've got a main wheel of 10 where we spin that and whatever it lands on is going to be the subject of our next podcast. Well, how do we figure out what goes on to the main wheel where there's a sub wheel of 20 that we also spin to figure out what is going to replace the main wheel. And how do we figure out what's on the sub wheel? Well, every podcast, we just go ahead and pick a different artist and uh, throw them on and we'll see who ends up on the sub wheel as a result. We'll also take uh, tweets from any uh, audience uh, suggestions, uh, anything you think we should cover, and we'll throw it on the subwheel as well, changing it up each episode. Uh, we'll we'll take a total of up to three for uh, five total for the subwheel, given the audience a potential majority of three to two. Yep. All right. So that being said, the subwheel this week. My pick for it, sorry, the uh, the outer wheel. My pick for the outer wheel is going to be a beloved hip hop group from the nineties. Mm-hmm. Only two albums to their name, but you know this uh, this group of one woman and two men had a lot of acclaim to them, and to me, they're definitely classics. Can you guess what I'm thinking about without saying? Can I say who it is, or do you... No, 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 without saying. Just, do, do you think you know? I think I know. All right. Well, that's right. It's none other than the one, the only, Diggable Planets. 
Oh, I didn't guess that. Who did you think? The Fugees? Yeah. yeah I feel well, like that's what you're bait. trying to you're trying to lead to that. I think that's what yeah, you're leading. Yeah, uh, Little Bait and Switch. So. Yeah. That's Diggable Planets is my choice. Have you ever listened to Diggable Planets in uh, in full? Yeah, I was. I mean, I listened to tracks from them and I liked it. I was like, and yeah, I, but it would be it would be nice to have a reason to do a deep dive, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it wouldn't be even that deep. There's only two albums and yeah. uh, a comp. Yeah, there you go. Uh, interesting thing I found out. Uh, uh, Lady Lady Bur- Ladybug Mecca is actually from Silver Spring, Maryland. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh. So, who's your pick? Uh, my pick is a 90s band well they're still active today they they recently reformed we actually saw them on tour when they came when they came back uh slow dive that's already on the that's already on fuck that's already on list well okay i'll go my backup then uh i'm gonna go pixies that's also on the subwheel that's on the subwheel too you why aren't you looking at the wheel i'm I'm screwing up (laughs) I'm paying attention to the main wheel because, like, I know that's what's about to happen, but. <laughs> I, right. I... <laughs> yeah. This is Pixies hilarious. was one of the first names we came up with in, like, the the long list of Okay, 20. I got one. Um, uh, Broken Social Scene. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Broken Social Scene. You forgot it and all the other people. That, that was your choice all along. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. I am applying the changes to the wheel. I used two different sites for this one. This is a uh, the lesser site, but it's a little easier for this one. I'm right. gonna go ahead and spin it. It's between Diggable Planets and Broken Social Scene. The winner is. Diggable planets. I don't mind that actually. I like I, I like broken social scene, but I'm happy to to have that's more wrapped to the list. Yeah, it gives a little more uh, variety there. Yeah, we are now at um I believe actually three of your picks that have not made it. And as a reminder, I have I'm going to be playing a little game once we hit or either of us hits five picks that don't make it here. So now you're only two away. You get to play a game once that happens. Oh yeah, let's. All play. right. So let's see who Diggable Planets is replacing on the subwheel. Now, this is where you can look at the Twitter. Again, that is at SoundTakesPod in order to see the 20 names we have here. I'm not going to go ahead and name them all because that would take too long. I'm gonna, just going to go ahead and spin. And, ooh, ooh, okay. Already being added to the main wheel very first person added to the subwheel it's fiona apple moving on up oh yeah let's go fiona all right now for the main wheel you can follow along here mm-hmm. as well via the twitter image but i'm just going to go ahead and name them there's only 10 the subject of the next podcast is either going to be sonic youth nickelback kanye west jay-z bts TV theme songs, Stevie Wonder, Metallica, Sex Pistols, or MIA. Let's go ahead and see what it is. And the winner is... I'm hearing it stop. I'm not looking yet. Let me go ahead and look. Ooh, interesting. 
Okay. The winner is Jay Z. Oh, the Jigga Man. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hey, yeah, I'm I'm happy we got we we we're getting some rap finally. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some add some variety to our to our sound. Um, I'm up. Uh, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, let Let's go ahead and set some rules since he has a pretty large discography and some rules overall for mm-hmm. the future going forward. Um, if an artist has a collaboration album with, and it's the only collaboration album with the other acts, it's fair game. But if they have more than one, then it's off limits and it's own separate thing. So okay. what I'm saying is that you know, uh, watch the throne. Fair mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Everything is love. Fair game. But Lawrence, I'm really sorry if you wanted to pick something from either of his two albums with R. Kelly. You're you're out of luck. I'm gonna have to make that a separate entry. Well, I think we're all better for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're good. <laughs> like, um, all right. Yeah. Okay. I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was kind of hoping it'd be uh, Jay Z or Kanye to get a little more variety here. Could um... theme songs would have been fun as well. Could, could it be like if he's a feature on a track could he could no could, no okay if it's from a compilation album like if it's from the I, I forget the name of it but if it's from that compilation album sure whatever but it, just the feature alone isn't gonna cut it like i this probably wouldn't be on my list but i'm just like throwing it out as an example like numb encore wouldn't be able to be on the list right uh no i'm fine with that because that's um that's a collab album yeah um mm-hmm. and i i'd say that's very different than like you know, monster where he's a, a featured vocalist, like gotcha. a guest performer. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So to recap, we have Dickable Planets being added to the sub wheel to replace Fiona Apple, mm-hmm. who is moving on up to the main wheel to replace Jay Z. Exciting times. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's probably gonna take a while to listen to this one. He's got well yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, we're they're gonna we we have our methods of uh, making it not a three hour long episode. <laughs> so yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're we're getting shorter over time. Yeah, we you know we're 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 figuring it out, y'all. We're getting better. All right, so let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up by giving our music recs. I'll I'll start things off. I was pretty excited for yesterday, which was uh, April third, because big releases. Uh, my favorite. Releasing the one I was most looking forward to was by uh, Eve Tumor called Heaven to a Tortured Mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great album. Highly recommend checking that out. Also was looking forward to the new Yeji mixtape, uh, What We Drew, as well as the new Thundercat album. Um, I think it was called It Is What It Is, right? I yeah. Remember that. yeah that, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's right. Yeah. Uh, really excited. Those are all some pretty great releases. What about you, Lawrence? Yeah, all those three were like, that were like pretty much the exact ones I was gonna say. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, great three great artists, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm I can't really comment on the albums as a whole yet because I need to like, they I need, they need to gestate more with me before I I can fully comment. But yeah, I, I'm really digging it all so far. I'm still listening to that Waxahachie record that I mentioned previously. Uh, definitely check that one out. Still, if you haven't gotten around to it. But yeah, beyond that, that's pretty much uh, the extent of uh, what I've been checking out right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to hopefully covering all three of those artists one day on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be yeah, be that'd be dope. All right, all right. Well, it has been another uh, fantastic uh, episode of the Sound Takes podcast, and 
it's time to bid you all adieu. So, uh, so uh, we will see you uh, next time with our Jay-Z takes. Bye-bye. Electric blue. <laughs> Boo.